Hey, happy Sunday. And not just that, but happy Pentecost Sunday. I'm so glad you're tuning in and joining us today. Because today we're going to be looking at what could be called the birth of the church. It's maybe not the church that we're necessarily familiar with, but we're going to be looking at the origin story, where it all began. And why I think this is important is because we live in a culture that has become very much about uh, me, or you, or us. We, we make our lives about ourselves. It's about what can I get, how can I get filled, what's in it for me, what's best for me. And unfortunately, sometimes we allow that culture into our churches, into our church meetings, into our times together, where church becomes about what can I get out of it, how am I getting filled, where am, is Jesus meeting me, how can I get healed, how can I have peace. And instead then of church being about serving and engaging and moving on the mission that Jesus has given us, it becomes about attending and filling a seat. It becomes about our preferences and our wants and our desires, where boldness and devotion get written off as religious so that we can stay comfortable. And where we criticize those who are moving forward for, with excellence and purity because we have refused to address our own compromise. And we leave the commands of Jesus for those we deem to be the evangelists or the radicals. But that's not how it was meant to be. You see, we've been talking the last few weeks about the mission that Jesus left for His church here on earth. A mission that is so vital and important And today as we look at Acts chapter 2 and the origin of the church, the start of the church, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I want us to ask ourselves, are we living in a way where we require the Holy Spirit in our lives? Or are we just living in a way where we stay comfortable? Where we are content with just contributing what we have to bring to the table? You see, the Holy Spirit is the comforter. Jesus talks about that to His disciples in John 14, 16, he says, I'm going to send the advocate or the comforter to you. So the Holy Spirit is a comforter, but he doesn't exist for your comfort. In looking at the mission that Jesus gave us, we read a few weeks ago in Luke, at the end of Luke, and Jesus said, go and make disciples and preach repentance and preach forgiveness. But then he said, stay in, here in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and falls upon you and wraps around you. You see, the Holy Spirit was poured out for the church to accomplish the mission that Jesus had given her, that he's given us. The Holy Spirit was poured out so that we could be equipped for the ministry of Jesus, for righteousness, to live holy, to live like Jesus here on earth. And He is our comforter. He will comfort us in the mission. He will comfort us on the mission. When we're taking risks, when we're stepping out, when we are doing what Jesus has called us to do, He will be our comforter. 
But if we're living for our own comfort, if we're living for ourselves, if we're living for what we can get out of it, then I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will make us very uncomfortable. If we're living on mission, we need the Holy Spirit in order to accomplish that mission. It's too big for us to do in our own power. But if we're living for what we can do, He's going to make us uncomfortable. He's going to challenge us and push us to take risks and try things and to to move into the mission Jesus has for us. I want you to turn with me this morning to Acts chapter 2. This is what it says. On the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Now, Pentecost was a Jewish feast by the name of Shavuot, which is the Feast of First Fruits, when they would celebrate the first fruits of harvest coming in. And they would take an offering to the temple uh, to celebrate. It's just God's provision in their lives. It says in verse 2 of chapter 2 in Acts, it says, Suddenly they heard a sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had not learned. You see, before Jesus died, he breathed on his disciples and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And they received the Holy Spirit for life in them. But this particular encounter was for them to be equipped for the mission, for the ministry that Jesus had for them. And what I think is fascinating is that in this passage it says, A pillar of fire appeared before them. This would be reminiscent of the pillar of fire that went before the Israelites as they walked through the wilderness, that guided their steps. And he appeared before them in the room. There's 120 believers gathered together in this room. And here a pillar of fire appears and then it separates. And it's not just a guide for a whole group like it was in the days of Moses. But each one had a tongue of fire rest upon them. And they were engulfed. You see, consumerism has no use for the Holy Spirit because you can't consume the Holy Spirit. He consumes you. He engulfs you and moves you into mission. He moves you into engagement. He moves you into ministry. You see, every time the Holy Spirit encounters us, it is for equipping us for the work of the ministry. It's for equipping us to minister. We see this in the life of Moses. Moses runs away from Egypt, if you know the story. He runs away from Egypt and he goes and lives in the desert and he comes across a burning bush. He has an encounter with God through this burning bush. And the purpose of it is for him to be equipped to go and lead the Israelites out of Egypt for ministry, for the mission God had for him. We see with Jonah, Jonah has an encounter with God. God tells him to go to Nineveh. Again, if you know the story, Jonah runs the other way. It gets, long story short, he gets swallowed by a fish. And while he's in the belly of a fish, he has a change of heart. Maybe that's not a surprise. <laughs> and he goes to minister to the people of Nineveh. And we hear about this incredible turn of an entire city choosing repentance 
choosing to turn, change directions to follow God. We see it in the story of Isaiah, which we're going to talk about in a little while. Isaiah has an encounter with God, and it kicks off his ministry as a prophet. And then we see it again here in Acts chapter 2, where the church encounters God in the room, and he rests upon them and engulfs them, wraps around them. And the very next thing is that Peter gets up and starts to minister. In Acts chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Now, at that time, there were Jewish worshippers who had emigrated from many different lands to live in Jerusalem. When the people of the city heard the roaring sound, crowds came running to where it was coming from, stunned over what had happened because each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her own language. Bewildered, they said to one another, Aren't these all Galileans? So how is it that we hear them speaking in our own languages? We are the northeastern Iranians, northwestern Iranians, Elamites, and those from Mesopotamia, Judea, east-central Turkey, the coastal areas of the Black Sea, Asia, the north-central Turkey, southern Turkey, Egypt, Libyans, who are neighbors of Cyrene, visitors from all over the Roman Empire, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, yet we hear them speaking of God's mighty wonders in our own dialects. And they all stood there dumbfounded and astonished, saying to one another, What is this phenomenon? But others poked fun at them and said, they're just drunk on new wine. In verse 14, it says, Peter stood up with the eleven apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, my fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. You need to clearly understand what's happening here. These people are not drunk like you think they are, for it's only nine in the morning. This is the fulfillment of what was prophesied through the prophet Joel. You see, the encounter with God is always meant to move us into the ministry that he has, into the mission of Jesus as a church together. Immediately after this encounter, immediately after the Holy Spirit encounter that the, that the disciples had, Peter stands up and he starts to minister to the crowd. He moves directly into the mission of Jesus. So often we can do this thing where we separate. We say, you know, we're going to start a ministry for encountering God. We're going to have a great worship ministry. And then over here we're going to have a great outreach ministry. And we have some people who, they volunteer in the, the worship ministry because their heart is for worship. And we have others who volunteer over here because theirs is for outreach and for evangelism. And we separate the two. But in Acts, in the very beginning, there wasn't a separation. It was one that flowed into the other. The encounter was for the purpose of carrying out the ministry. That there was no separation. They were completely integrated together. And so we see Peter filled with the Holy Spirit and he stands up and he brings this address. Immediately, where Jesus had said, wait here in Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. So he received the Holy Spirit and right away he started to minister in Jerusalem where Jesus said to start. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. But his job isn't to keep us comfortable. His job is to remind us of everything that Jesus taught. To point us to the mission of Jesus. And it's in the risk, in the unseen, in the steps of faith that he comforts us. That he brings us peace. 
that He fills us with joy. Not in the absence of problems, but right in the middle of them. He is wrapped around us to bring us comfort, to be our advocate in those moments. So Peter continues in Acts chapter 2, verse 16. He says, For God says, This is what I will do in the last days. I will pour out my Spirit on everybody and cause your sons and daughters to prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will experience dreams from God. The Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I will reveal startling signs and wonders in the sky above and mighty miracles on the earth below. Blood and fire and pillars of clouds will appear. For the sun will be turned dark and the moon blood red before the great and awesome appearing of the day of the Lord. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, Peter starts his address by quoting from Joel chapter 2. And he says, this is what is being fulfilled before you today. This incredible prophecy that people had been waiting for, for hundreds of years, was being fulfilled in their presence. And did you notice what it says? Who is the Holy Spirit poured out on? Who is the Holy Spirit for? It says poured out on all people. The Holy Spirit is for everyone. It's not just for the radicals, not just for the Pentecostals or the Charismatics. The Holy Spirit is for the church to move on the mission of Jesus. To move forward, advance the kingdom of heaven. To do the work of Jesus, to continue the ministry of Jesus here on earth. And just as a side note, you maybe have been hearing a lot about the last days lately. Depending on who you're listening to, but the last days didn't start now with Corona. Peter says the last days started in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit was poured out. That we, as the church, moving forward on mission, are moving in the last days, but we have been for the last 2,000 years. You see, the Holy Spirit is for all people. And the encounter with the presence of God, with the Holy Spirit, is meant to lead us into ministry. In fact, I would, I would even go so far as to say, if your encounter doesn't lead you to minister, doesn't lead you forward on the mission of Jesus, then I would question the authenticity of your encounter. Peter didn't separate between the encounter and then sit there and think, okay, now what are we supposed to do? No, he right away moved into the ministry, the mission that Jesus had laid out for them in Luke chapter 24. And I wonder how often, because we separate, because we we look at encountering Jesus being for us, it's for me to get whole and me to get healed and me to get delivered and free. And so we have an encounter and we're like, thank you, Jesus. And then we just wait for another encounter. And we miss the part that Jesus is actually encountering us to move us forward on his mission. There's a passage in Isaiah. And it's in Isaiah chapter 6. And I think it really outlines the heart of what's happening here in Acts chapter 2. And Isaiah is a, a prophet who actually, he prophesied many of the messianic prophecies, the, the prophecies about the Messiah coming. But at the start of his ministry, he has this encounter where he meets God. He says, it's this, it's this magnificent experience. And it says he sees the, the train of the Lord's robe fill the temple. He sees angels crying, holy, 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 and praising and worshipping before the throne. 
And his response is to fall down and to say, I am a sinful person. I'm not clean. And an angel comes and cleanses him. And it says that he is forgiven. And then there's this dialogue between God and Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. And Isaiah says, Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? You see, Isaiah has an encounter with God. But he doesn't just stay there. Because his response to the question that God puts forward of who will go, it says, he said, and, and, and he says, I said, here am I, send me. Isaiah's encounter with God moved him into ministering. It moved him into ministry. It moved him onto mission to fulfill what God was asking him to do. I think it's fascinating what Isaiah didn't say. Here's a man who recognized his own failings. And he didn't, when God said, who will go? He didn't say, well, surely there's somebody more equipped. Because I just got purified. You know, maybe there's somebody who's been in this longer. Maybe there's somebody who, who knows more about this. Maybe there's somebody who has more time who doesn't have my schedule, who can do this instead of me. So often we come up with these excuses. We're like, God's saying, who will go? And we're like, well, God, surely there's somebody who is more experienced in the faith that will go. Or God, you know, I've been at this for a long time. Surely there's somebody who is new and fresh and full of energy and passion and vibrance. Surely you'll send them. Or God, you just don't know all the things that I have to deal with right now. Can you find somebody who's less busy? Who doesn't have to deal with my stresses at work? Who doesn't have to, you know, maybe somebody who's single, who doesn't have to deal with my uh, building a marriage or growing a family? No, but, but God is saying, who will go? And I wonder, are we brave enough to pray like Isaiah prayed? And to say, God, here I am, send me. Will we make that choice? You see, I believe that if we are to get out of living as a consumeristic church, where it's all based on us, we need to respond to the invitation of God when He says, who will go? And we need to say, here I am, send me. First, we partner with the Holy Spirit, just like the church in Acts. We allow Him to come, fill us, wrap around us. The amazing thing is that God asked His disciples to wait. But we don't have to wait for the outpouring of the Spirit because that was the first fruits. We are walking into the harvest, the continuation of that. And so when we ask the Holy Spirit to come, He comes. When we ask Him to come fill us, He will come. When we make a choice to change the way we think, to be baptized, to move following Jesus. And we say, Holy Spirit, I want you to come on my life. He will come and He will empower you. He will fill you with boldness and courage. He will give you the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But then we can't stop there and just be content with an encounter that filled us up. We need to move on mission. Seamlessly between the encounter and the ministry. 
Because that's what God is calling us to do. That's the outline He's had for His church for the last 2,000 years. To go until every ear would hear. And that's what He's asking from us. He's saying, who will go? Will we be a people who go or will we rather be wrapped up in our own comfort and say, well, it's not really comfortable for me? Will we be a people who say, here I am, send me? Because I believe that if we would take that position, if we would say, God, here I am, use me, send me, He will use us, He will equip us. It's not about feeling like we have all the answers. It's not about feeling like we have all the training. It's about choosing to be willing and letting Him equip us by His Holy Spirit with cover us, wrap around us. You see, in the story in Acts, what we often forget is that just a few days earlier, less than two months earlier, Peter had stood and denied Jesus three times and then been restored by Jesus three times. And had you asked Him to stand up and preach a sermon, I'm not sure he would have. He maybe would have deflected and said, well, why don't you have one of the other disciples do it? Somebody who didn't deny you. Somebody who didn't walk away. Maybe John can, can give the sermon. But it was in the filling with the Holy Spirit that he was empowered to stand up and move and, and preach and move into ministry. And if you keep reading his address... This is what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. It says, When they heard this, they were crushed, speaking of the people who had gathered around. And they realized what they had done to Jesus. And deeply moved, they said to Peter and the other apostles, What do we need to do, brothers? And Peter replied, Repent and return to God. And change directions. And each of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, the Anointed One, to have your sins removed. Then you may take hold of the gift of the Holy Spirit. For God's promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your families, for those yet to be born, and for everyone who the Lord God calls to Himself. Did you catch it? This is who the Holy Spirit is for. It's for you, for your families, for your unborn children, for the future generations, but it is for you. And then it continues in verse 40. It says, Peter preached to them and warned them, With these words, be rescued from the wayward and perverse culture of this world. In other words, be rescued from the culture that's around us. If we're living in a culture that's about consumerism, be rescued from that by being filled with the Holy Spirit and moving on the mission of Jesus. It says in verse 41, it says, Those who believed the word that day numbered 3,000, and they were all baptized and added to the church. You see, what I think is incredible is that God in His power and sovereignty, He could show up to every single person on earth whenever He wants. He can do whatever He wants. And yet, He chooses to use the church as a display of His wisdom, His grace, and His goodness. He chooses to use a church moving on mission to advance the kingdom. 
He chose the church. Not a church who's caught in comfort, but a church moving on mission with a comforter that's wrapped around them. The Holy Spirit is a comforter, but He doesn't exist for your comfort. And so my question to you today is who will go? Will we go together? God is looking for people to send into Salt Spring. Will we choose to partner ourselves with the Holy Spirit and move into ministry? Or will we be content just reflecting the culture of consumerism around us? where it's all about us and what we get and what we want and what we desire. Will we limit the impact of our lives based on our comfort? Or will we extend it in partnership with the Holy Spirit? You see, God will use you. Regardless if today's your first time in church, Maybe this is the first time you're hearing about Jesus. God wants to use you. He wants to take you deeper. He wants so much for your life. He wants to fill it. But He doesn't just want to fill it so that you can be content. He wants to fill it so that He can move you into a greater call for your life. That you would know Him. That you would encounter Him and meet with Him. So that you could bring the good news of Jesus to the rest of the world. Are you willing to go today? Are you willing to make that choice to follow Jesus? Whether you've been in the church a million times or whether this is your very first time and you're brand new, He will use you. He will fill you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and empower you to carry out the mission of Jesus. That is the story of the origin of the church. And so in closing, I want to pray for you. I want to let you know that Jesus loves you. That He has so much grace for you. That when you have the humility to come before Him, regardless of how long you've been in the church or what you know or where you're at, with God. He's not angry with you. He's inviting you to come. And when we come in humility, the Bible says when we repent, when we change directions, when we recognize the weight of our own mistakes and wrong choices, He comes, He meets us, and He forgives us. Just like Isaiah, He cleanses us. so that we can be moved into the more that He has, into the mission He has for us. And so I want to pray for you today. That wherever you are, I want to pray that, that as you choose to follow Him, you know, and Peter outlines it so well, what do we need to do when the people say, what do we need to do to be saved? He outlines it so well. He says, repent, change directions, change the way you think. It's that simple. Be baptized, believe. Being baptized is an act of faith. It's putting your faith into action. And then receive the Holy Spirit. And He gives us very clear directives and outlines. 
So wherever you are, wherever you feel like you are in relation to God, He's not far away. He's not distant. He's right there present with you. And you can take those steps today. If you feel like you've been cut to the heart and you want to know what can I do to be saved? How can I encounter the Holy Spirit? I want to pray for you that the Holy Spirit would come and fill fill you and cover over you today. So Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. We thank you for the story of the origin of the church in Acts. We just welcome you afresh right now to come meet with us. We ask that you would come with fire. You would deal with our fear and you would fill us with boldness. That you would wrap yourself around us right now, around each person that's watching, wherever they are with you, Jesus, that they would have an encounter with your love, Holy Spirit, that you would just wrap yourself around them. That you would equip them and empower them for the mission that you've called them to. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're new here today, we would love to connect with you. You can find the connect card over in our notes section. You can fill that out and we will get in touch with you and get you some resources. Uh, Maybe you'd like some more information about meeting with some other uh, believers, people who follow Jesus, who've dedicated their lives to following Jesus. Maybe you would like more information on baptism or where to go next. Or maybe you just have some questions and would like to talk. Uh, Reach out through the connect card. We would love to connect with you and meet with you, uh, chat with you, and get you some resources as you move forward with Jesus. Uh, We also want to encourage you this morning, if you would like prayer, you can use the live prayer feature. Uh, There's live prayer there through chat. And I just want to bless you guys. Have an awesome week. Let's move ahead on mission as a church this week, empowered and partnered with the Holy Spirit. Amen.